2: What's up guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on PackerNet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. Glad to be with you guys and gals here. On this awesome Sunday morning, we've got a full slate of NFL games going to be kicking off here early this afternoon. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the playoff implications that do apply to the Packers as far as some of those games from uh, from other teams, other cities around the league, and uh, excited to jump into that. We've got a little bit of, uh, what's the right word here? A little bit of tea, I guess, to spill um, for the first time ever. I've not had my phone silenced. I apologize for that. Um we got a little bit of tea to spill. Is it got a little dicey on Twitter between Gary Ellerson and David Bakhtiari? Of course, the better my to the best of my knowledge, uh, Gary didn't respond. So we'll touch on that. I know the chat's already kind of talking about the game coming up Monday night and um, and obviously the matchup there with the Giants. So We'll kind of dig into the injury report. As a matter of fact, we'll kick off with that first and foremost and just kind of give you guys an update on what we're expecting to see as far as the injuries go. But let's go to the chat real quick. We got Derek Kay in the house says, only person I'm worried about playing for the Giants is their defensive tackle. If he's in the game, plan changes a little bit. It's funny, too, because you know I have a hard time remembering his name sometimes, Derek. But when you look at some of the analytics, some of the statistics, whether it's pressure or stopping the run, Dexter Lawrence is just an absolute monster. It's a name we should all know. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be the key. Um, he's going to be kind of that Tuesday player that, that Michael Lombardi talks about, right, where you spend a Tuesday meeting saying, all right, we have to stop this guy. We have to make sure he doesn't wreck the game, whether it's on offense or defense. Typically, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, if you're an offense trying to game plan against a defender, it's if they're in the front, if they're a pass rushing type player you know whether it's a a stack linebacker or someone who plays on the edge or someone on the interior um you got to say okay first and foremost we're not going to let him beat us in the pass rush right and then you also want to try to get some double teams on him in the running game if at all possible which typically duo kind of kind of handles that for you right and and you can kind of wash players out even with the pin and pull you can wash players out but uh yeah he's just one of those guys that that uh uh, when it comes to a Tuesday player you've got a game plan around Dexter Lawrence you have to and uh you know obviously all week long he's been kind of limited in practice uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury I imagine those hamstring injuries are are way 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 uh way different on the big guys than they are the little ones you know we talk about the hamstring issue that Christian Watson's had to deal with and obviously when you put that much torque on your joints that much torque on uh on your uh your hamstring your ligaments things like that, um, it, it's gonna it's gonna strain them very easily. But when you talk about someone being 300 pounds and and carrying all that weight, I imagine it, it's it's probably amplified and affecting how you play the game, especially at the interior defensive line where you know you got to really drive uh, with your lower body. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll kind of dive into that and see uh, what's up with the injury report, the updates. Brent in Indiana, good to see you in here, buddy. He says, am I the only one who doesn't like Monday Thursday games? Sundays aren't the same. I agree. Um, my favorite time slot personally is that early game on Sunday. I absolutely love it. The only thing I don't like about it is it kind of interferes with church, obviously, but um, I, I just love the thought of getting up, grabbing a cup of coffee, maybe a little a little light breakfast, right, and, uh, and watching the pregame show leading up to the game. Your game gets in early, and since I've started doing the pod, it's my favorite postgame show to do. To do a postgame show in here talking with all you guys and gals about the Packers, and having on the TV the four o'clock games is really cool. You know, I just absolutely love uh, that vibe there. But, yeah, so my my favorite is the early games. I agree on the Monday-Thursday games. It's uh, it's just got a, a different feel to it, you know. There's just something about Sunday football that's just uh, – it's magical. It is. Now, it's cool to get your, your team highlighted on the national stage. I know the teams absolutely love it. And when I say the teams, the organizational aspect because it gets more eyes on your team. More notoriety, but with that too comes sometimes uh, you know negative play and and can get you criticized, overly criticized a little bit. But I bet if you ask the coaches, I know Mike McCarthy used to talk about he loved that noon game at Lambeau. I know uh uh Aaron Rodgers said the same thing and for for the same reasons as us fans. He said he loves to play that game, get the pressers over, he's home, and he can watch the end of the four o'clock games and enjoy the Sunday night games. So it's funny how the players, you know, they're they're as big a fans as we are when it comes to the game of football. There's no doubt about that. O'Mare in the chat said that nose tackle is a nightmare when he is healthy. Dexter Lawrence, the second uh, game wreckers like Gary and him. Uh, he has been questionable all week. Anything less than 100% is damn good news for the Packers. Absolutely. could be something he gets a lot of workload, right? And and that definitely benefits the Packers as well. Brenton, Indiana said, I love the 305 Sunday games. They're, they're kind of cool too, man, because you get that uh, – you get that that shadow casting across Lambeau, especially after daylight savings time and, and you know the time change and all that stuff. Uh, it is it, it's it's kind of cool to see that shadow creep across Lambeau Field, no doubt about it. So the the three o'clock games that's my second favorite, and then then we would go with the night game. There's just something about daytime football, especially when the snows flying up in Green Bay, man. That's the that is the absolute best. Derek K in the chat says Clayton slamming that extra strong D's away right here, man. Every morning, every morning. I'm averaging about three cups a day it's kind of become dessert for me. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I'm not one of those kind of guys. I'm a big, uh, I'm carnivorous, if you will. I love, uh, love uh, eating, you know, uh, all kinds of different, uh, you know, meat, you know, we, we've got a smoker out here that I've learned how to smoke um, here in the last few, uh, last few years. I'm a big beef guy, love beef um I'm, I'm all right with pork and chicken but beef's my go-to I, as i always refer to it dead cow man i'm all about the dead cow but yeah you can bet your rear end man we got the diesel flowing this morning always got the diesel flowing like i said it's become my dessert so i like it uh doug in the chat says hey love the short you got on heath's catching the flat uh, his sidestep of the first defender was next level. Doug, I wish I would have taken a little more time and doctored it up a bit because I was going to add in some funny clips and just kind of poke a little bit of fun at the Chiefs defender. But, yeah, that short was uh, – when I watched it back, it was just like, my goodness. And, and, and I wish I could play that video of the tweet. Matter of fact, I probably could. I need to do it at some point. Or maybe even cut it up to a, a quick video clip for the show here, a little a little video drop of, of the Packer fan – Reacting to it was absolutely hilarious. You can find it on my Twitter feed. I quote tweeted the original uh, person that I seen tweeted. Um, although I did have somebody reach out to me and say, "You know, you got that for me." And I was like, "Oh, did you create the video? Like, my bad, man. I had no idea you created the video." Is what I'm thinking, right? And he's like, "No, I posted it first, and this, and then that." And it's like, "What are we doing here? People are trying to get credit for other people's work. I'm just trying to credit people's work and get more content out the Packer fans. Content that I think's funny or..." entertaining everybody wants to uh everybody wants credit for stuff they don't do but that's 2023 omer in the chat said i tagged you on a pff post that says our wide receivers are second in the nfl versus man but only 31st versus zone uh would like to hear uh what him and the pta posse think about that very bizarre the contrast yeah you know um to me, O'Meara, honestly, I think it's a cool stat, and and I think there's some truth to it, obviously, right? When you've got that, that big of a difference between being second at something and being 31st, obviously it's a strength versus a weakness or a weakness versus a strength. There's no doubt about it. Um, I like to dig into the tape and focus on the game flow itself. You know, you could have... you you may dig in deep enough and find out that every one of the zone plays or or 85 90% of the zone plays came in a situation where it wasn't as crucial. Maybe they had to pass on a third and long. It's like at some point or another, I have to kind of step back and go, okay, what information is most important to me? Because you can get lost in that stuff. And the last thing I want to do is be digging through stats that I don't really deem too relevant to the situation at hand, not saying this one isn't. I'm just kind of giving you my perspective on it. Um, I I feel like if you focus on the tape, you focus on the game flow, that's going to tell the true story of what's happening on Sunday, and you won't get lost in all these arguments with people about, well, this stat says this. You can make stats and analytics say whatever you want them to say. You can cherry pick. I mean, it, it was nauseating last year watching the Aaron Rodgers haters cherry pick stats to try to make it out as if he was the reason the team was losing. And to me it's I, what I always try to do is invite people to say, hey, why don't you come watch the tape? Like here, what watch this this clip here, this breakdown of the game flow aspect of what happened on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever. And and you'll kind of see why it unfolded the way it did, rather than just saying, well, see right here, look at this stat right here. This proves we're good at this, we're bad at this, or this player sucks. And here's why, rather than Telling the whole story, I guess you could say. Um, but that—that that is a – there's definitely something to that. There's no doubt about it, though, Mayor. That's a big, big difference there, buddy. Big difference. Um, since I'm flying solo this morning, it's going to be hard for me to keep up with the chat. So, uh, hopefully, I can hit on it enough. But we're going to have a few videos as well that we're going to hit on. First of all, let's do this. Let's jump into the injuries real quick before we get too far ahead of ourselves. So, Mike Spofford on Twitter – uh, he tweeted out, Elton Jenkins back at practice for the Packers after sitting out Friday. You guys know we, we talked about on Thursday he was limited. Friday he was out. We were wondering what it was going to look like on Saturday. So he was practicing on Saturday. That's a good sign in my opinion. You see they're just in shells, I guess is, is what you would call that. Maybe, maybe even actually just helmet is what it looks like. But he was back out there. Running back Aaron Jones continues to practice. That's a good sign. Christian Watson, Quay Walker not practicing. I feel really comfortable saying they're both going to be out this game. And then, of course, we got the final injury report we'll hit on here in a minute. A little more specific on Christian Watson, Paul Brittle tweeted out, the Packers will be without Christian Watson on Monday after being ruled out with a hamstring injury in the last two games. Watson had 12 catches for 165 yards and three tutters. So, um, you know, when it comes to Christian Watson, he was starting to hit his stride, obviously. This is the game, if there's ever a game that you don't want to be 100%, if you could pick a game throughout the entire season, this and the Carolina game are the two that really pop up. Listen, that doesn't mean it's a slam dunk win, right? No, there are no slam dunk wins in the National Football League. You guys hear us talk about that. It's it's important to to always mention it. When you make comments like, this is the game that you want to miss your superstar, that's not suggesting you're going to win this game. I'm saying if you had to pick a game or two where you say, okay, we're going to be missing some of our best players in this game. This is definitely one of them. So I don't want to say I look at it as a positive. We knew Christian Watson was going to be out a little bit of time, uh, although he is saying it's not as severe as the one he he suffered earlier in the year, it being, you know, the hamstring injury. But this, I, I'm just it's kind of best case scenario, I guess what I'm trying to say is that he may miss the Giants game for sure. So um it's important to mention that. And then Dan du- uh Dan Duggan or Dugan, however you say his name, he covers the Giants. Um He tweeted out, uh, Brian Dayball, which is the head coach of the Giants, obviously, said offensive line Evan Neal-Ankle will be ruled out for Monday's game. This will be his fourth straight absence. Tied in Daniel Bellinger uh, isn't practicing again due to an illness. Uh, Dayball said he's hopeful that Dexter Lawrence, who has a hamstring injury, will return after missing the Patriots game. So, it's looking like they're hopeful for Dexter Lawrence. They are going to be missing Evan Neal again. And we talked about all the pressure that's been put on uh, the quarterback there, whether it was Daniel Jones or uh, or uh, DeVito, um, you know, these injuries, they don't help, obviously. So that's something else that it's kind of, kind of a push for me. Yes, it's good that Evan Neal's is not going to be back in time to play the Packers, but it's also kind of like, man, Dexter Lawrence, if he does go out there and play, that's one guy you got to really take serious. But I'm not worried about the pass blocking play in this team. I'm really not. They blitz like the second highest in the league. And I think, you know, we were going into the Chiefs game and they blitz the sixth most in the league. You know, the way that you see um what you see Jordan Love in this offensive line handle that blitz from Kansas City. I'm really not too concerned about the Giants. I think we would all agree the Kansas City defense is way more talented than the Giants defense. But just keep in mind, they are going to blitz more than the Chiefs did. Uh, At least history says so, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, there should be some shot plays down the boundary, as we did highlight before. You guys will remember. I'll kind of pull it up here real quick one more time. When you look at – 12 personnel. Actually, let's go to 11 personnel since we're specifically talking about the passing game. Look at their boundary corners. You got Banks at 48.5, Jackson at 45.0, right? So on the outside, you look, it's going to be Dobbs and Wicks. Dobbs at a 70.9, Wicks at a 73.8. You move to the safety position, playing decent at safety. McKinney, the ninth highest graded safety in the league, 81.3. And then you got Pinnock at the 38th highest graded safety in the league at 65.7. So they got decent safety play. Now it comes down to, okay, you know, you know they're kind of – they're underperforming, underachieving. Granted, with a a grain of salt, right, any given Sunday, any given Sunday anything can happen. These guys could come out and play like Hall of Famers this week, and that would be the one game they do it this year. We see that in the NFL, right? Um, So when you look at the – the cornerback wide receiver matchup on the outside. Now you got to ask yourself, okay, what is their identity? What do they do on defense? So when we pull this up, it's kind of hard to read. I'll kind of give you guys the numbers again. How often do they blitz? Like we said, they blitz the most with five rushers. They blitz the second most with six rushers. So they like to bring pressure, right? The problem is they are horrible at hitting home with pressure, okay? So they're blitzing. It's just not hitting home. That's a good thing for the Packers. They play man coverage the third most in the league, right? And they play zone the 32nd most in the league. Now, remember what Omer just said in the chat that we are really good against man coverage and really bad against zone. At least the numbers suggest that, right? So this seems to be a good matchup. These are all the things that go in to Vegas coming up with the odds. You want to know how the Packers were six and a half point favorites? These type of analytics right here. So you're going to have some people say, oh, that stuff doesn't matter. You're wasting your time covering it okay, cool, we can respectfully disagree. These are how the numbers are factored. This is how Michael Lombardi factors up his numbers too. He comes up with his own handicap system, right, using stuff like this. He's big on points per play, uh, points per game, all that stuff, mainly points per play. That's one of the the key statistics that he really likes, which it it amazes me how people who have never sniffed the NFL think it's just silly to focus on points per play and you should focus on yards per play. And I'm just like, they're both important, but to, to try to convince me it's more important to get less yards than points I'm sorry, man. You you take that Kirby down the street. I ain't buying it. I'm just not gonna, I'm never gonna buy that. But when we look back at the corners and the safeties, all right, how often do they go middlefield open? Okay. Middlefield open, they only play it uh 30% of the time, which is ranked 31st in the league. They play middle field close 53% of the time, which is fifth most in the league. So what's that tell you? Middle field close post snap end result of the play means you're gonna have whether you're in a cover three blitz or you're playing you know, some kind of zero man, whatever it might be, the, major- the large majority of the time – now, they could change it up this game, but the large majority of the time throughout this year, the Giants have played middle field close, which means single high safety, which means you've got a one-on-one matchup on the boundary. Two things here. That could mean Jordan Love has an absolutely huge game, right, throwing along the boundary, throwing along the sidelines – to, uh, you know, like we said, Jaden Reed can play out in the Z. He done it all through college, right? He, he's people look at him as just a slot, but he can play the Z. You got Tay Wicks out there. You got Romeo Dobbs, who obviously has is, is become kind of our 50 50 ball guy, even with Christian Watson is in the lineup. So when you look at those players on the boundary, kind of sets up for you could have a big game throwing deep along the sidelines. However, if you get yourself in a position, where you're taking too many shots like that and you're taking them early and somehow some way you fall down and you go behind on this team and that allows them to run the football, that's where you can find yourself completely 110% embedded in that trap game. So you got to be careful with that. Sometimes you can, as as a coaching staff, you can overthink the game plan. Oh, yeah, we can do this. We'll just keep taking the shot because the numbers, the analytics suggest we should be able to hit those along the boundary. Look how bad their corners are. Look how much they play middle field close, you know, equaling one on the shelf. Like those are the type of things that you got to be really, really careful in getting pulled into. There's no doubt about it. So didn't plan on hitting on that, but I'm glad we uncovered it. And again, with Omer's, uh stat there, that definitely helped, uh, helped uncover it as well. So. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's go to the injury report. Here's the full injury report. We're just going to talk about the changes because we'll be using the entire podcast to read off the entire injury report. Um, so as far as the changes from the last one from Fridays, what changed is Devondre Campbell went from limited to full participation. Okay. That's a great sign. Um, A.J. Dillon went from limited to full participation, not a surprise there. Rashawn Gary went from limited to full participation, not a surprise there. Elton Jenkins, like we mentioned, went from did not participate to limited participation. And then Jonathan Owens went from limited participation with the knee injury to full participation. So now when you look at the game status, the only thing that, that have kind of been applied as far as game status goes, and this is really what Vegas keeps an eye on, Jair Alexander is questionable again. Aaron Jones is questionable again. Uh, Donnell Savage is questionable with the chest injury. Eric Stokes is questionable with the hamstring and then Quay Walker is doubtful. Christian Watson is out. So I think what you're going to see here, according to just kind of reading the tea leaves of the injury report, your inside linebackers are going to be Devondre Campbell and Isaiah McDuffie. You guys know on chalk talk. I love Quay Walker. I got his autographed jersey. I think the dude is an absolute monster. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's got all the physical tools, but I am not going to sit here and BS anyone and say that he has arrived. He's got a lot to work on within his run defense. The run fit, how aggressive he is attacking the gap, um, all those things. The the technique in which when he reaches the blocker, you know, like Mike Wall said, how you arrive at, com, uh, at confrontation determines how you handle confrontation. When you arrive at confrontation over top of yourself, kind of too high, too vertical, right? And then on top of that, you're late to getting your eyes on who the lead blocker is that's how you find you're in a situ- yourself in a situation where there's a huge gap to run through and you're getting washed out of the play. That's what I'm seeing McQuay Quay Walker's tape right now. And again, we don't know exactly what they're working on. We don't know what they're coaching him up on. I'm not going to pretend like I understand football better than Quay or the coaching staff. I'm just simply saying that's what I'm noticing on the tape. And you've kind of seen it with Dre too. So um, I think the better combination with how players are playing right now at this moment, is quay walker and isaiah mcduffie but it looks like we're going to get dre and isaiah mcduffie nonetheless i think the run defense improves with isaiah mcduffie in the lineup however it does take a step back when it comes to uh past defense so that's kind of how i see the injury report playing out there all right i'm just going to kind of take a peek into the chat here you guys uh bear with me if i pause for a second i may have to read a couple this is usually when i say tim say something smart and uh hammer out a couple of the uh, of the chat here. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything in here real quick. Um, let's see here. Uh, Nick McSwain, how did the Giants go from the playoff team to this in less than a year? You guys, if you'll go on Twitter and you search Michael Lombardi, just in your search bar, Michael Lombardi, the disease of me, he talks about Pat Riley's book, you know, a great basketball coach. You guys know I hate basketball, but success, success is universal. From sport to sport, business to business, success is universal. Success principles are universal. There's no two ways about it. He talked about in Pat Riley's book, there was a a saying in there called the disease of me, where once a player feels like, well, I deserve this, and he gets it, now the next person in the locker room deserves to get it, and the next person deserves to get it. And you create kind of this culture of, well, what about mine? What about me? Right? That's why Belichick had so much success during their dynasty, and you see it kind of coming to an end now. was he controlled the locker room through the amount of money he paid the players. You know, they gave him absolute heck when he traded Ty Law, one of their – he was a captain on the team. But one of the reasons he traded him is because in order to give him what he he deserves and what he wants, I'm going to have to increase that money, right, that, that I'm paying him as a player, and that's going to cause the next person to want to get paid more. So Belichick has done a great job kind of massaging that, and trading players away, even though if it didn't make sense for that year, to keep that salary cap intact. Now, back to Nick's question here about the Giants and the disease of meat. Michael Lombardi said, what you're seeing here, Saquon Barkley, does he deserve to get paid? Absolutely he does. But when you pay him, guess what? Now Daniel Jones wants to get paid. And those guys were kind of battling for that thing. When you pay Daniel Jones that top quarterback money, now the disease of me kicks into your organization. It doesn't mean that Daniel Jones shouldn't get paid for his services. not what it means at all. It's just that's the byproduct of what happens when you pay a player, when you overpay for a player. And I think we would all agree they overpaid for Daniel Jones. So when, when they paid Daniel Jones that money, Michael Lombardi put that tweet out, the Giants fans and media absolutely roasted him. You don't know what you're talking about. This is a playoff team. They're going to the next level. They need to pay their players, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he got raked over the coals. Now we're looking back going, I know people don't like Michael Lombardi, but it seems like he might have been right. Just saying. (laughs) So I think that's how you answer that question, Nick. They got too big for their britches. There's an old saying, Michael Lombardi's repeated it. I know uh, Bill Walsh used to say it, uh, according to the books I've read. You don't overpay for good. You overpay for great. Why Why do you overpay for someone like Devontae Adams? He's great. Why do you overpay for someone like Aaron Rodgers? He's great. Reggie White, he's great, right? You don't overpay for good, okay? And that's what they did. Did Daniel Jones play good last year? I think some would argue. I think they've got an argument that he played good, right? They overpaid him, overpaid a good player, right? Not a great player. That that really creates a, a volatility within your your pay structure that forces those other good players, not great players. To want to get paid too that's what he's talking about with the disease of me so i think that's what happened with the giants and i think that's what you're seeing on the field that was some bad coaching um there was a game earlier in the year where they they mismanaged the clock and let the clock run out inside the five when they could have had a field goal and instead because they let the clock run out and mismanaged it with a run um what happened was they ended up losing the game by three points. So guess what? That three-point field goal, it might have been less than three, which the field goal would have won. Now, going into the locker room, Brian Dayball, this is another problem too. I think he went with a tablet or went to the quarterback. I can't remember who it was, if it was Terod Taylor or who, but he's pointing it out and he's screaming and shouting and this and that. That's another thing that's, that's bad about the Giants too, is Dayball isn't handling the failure very well on the sideline, and that stuff matters. You want to ruin a culture quick. Have someone throwing a temper tantrum on the field. That That's one of the faults I've had with Matt LaFleur at times. It's because going into the locker room and shouting this stuff and looking like you're tearing up and about to cry, not that your players are seeing that halftime locker, uh, that, that halftime interview, but if that's what he's doing on national television, he's probably doing it in the locker room, that's not a good you know, a good look. But at the same time, you can't argue with how Matt LaFleur has adjusted going into the second half. I think we would all agree they played better in the second half uh, of games this year than they have the first. So, um, yeah, so hopefully that answered your question there, Nick, about the Giants. That's kind of how I see that uh, playing out there. Now, let's get on to a little bit of uh, – I usually don't like to cover this type of stuff, but, guys, it is dominating Packers Twitter right now, so we're going to hit on it. Gary Ellerson, okay? For, for those of you guys who don't know who Gary Ellerson is, um, he he was a running back for the Packers. He's a media guy now. He seems like a nice guy. I've never had any personal interaction with him to the best of my knowledge. I found out just the other day he was following me. So I try to follow, I try to follow people back. If you follow me, I'm going to follow you back. It's just how that, I don't understand the people who are trying to control their follower ratio. If you support me, I'm going to support you. That's just how I see that. It just cracks me up how people will try to stack it and say, well, look, I'm only following 800 and I've got 10,000 followers. I, in a perfect world for me, I would like to be following everybody who's following me to show them support and support their Twitter account, too. I just don't understand that whole egotistical approach. But um, Gary Ellerson made a comment on the on the Homer Hour. If you guys don't know Homer, obviously, when you hear Homer, most Packer fans, probably 90% of Packer fans go, yeah, I know who Homer is. He's been covering the Packers for a long time. I like Homer. I think he brings a different approach than maybe I do with analytics and breaking down the tape. Um, and I think everybody's got their place as Packers media members, if you will. I, I never consider myself a media member. I'm just, you know, saying podcasters, what have you. Been doing it way longer than, you know, than I've been a lot, Homer has. He brings kind of this, this amped up, fans approach, maybe a little bit overly emotional, but you can tell he cares about the team type, type stuff, you know. He had Gary Ellerson on him with him, which Gary Ellerson was a running back for the Packers. I think he played two years for the Packers. He was a seventh-round pick. He played two years with the Packers, and then he went on to play for Detroit, okay? So he knows more about football than me. He made it to the National Football League, all right? No way, shape, or form am I here to dog him out. I just want to give you guys kind of the background of who he is and why he's talking Packers. Here's what he had to say about the Jair situation, and you're going to hear him take a little subtle shot at David Bakhtiari. I'll explain why I think he did that, and then obviously we'll uh, we'll kind of dive into David Bakhtiari's reaction to his comments but kind of goes hand in hand with what I've said in the past. On this show, I'm not going to say anything about a player that I wouldn't say to their face. I just think it's it's chicken crap for people in the media to to pretend like they will walk up to a player and say you're soft, or you're made of glass. Okay, good luck with that, right? I just not how I was raised. If I'm not going to say it to a player's face, I'm not going to say it on this show. All right, that's just the way I see it. Other people tend to like to take shots because they're never really face-to-face with them or meet them. I'm not suggesting Gary did this. I'm just kind of speaking kind of very broadly here. But it's kind of the same type of thing, you know. When you say what he he says about David Bakhtiari, it's a subtle shot. And, again, I'll talk about why I think he does it. He did it here in just a second. But let's just kind of hear it from him. This is a conversation between Homer and Gary on ESPN Radio, it's called the Homer Hour. You guys should uh should go wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to it. It's a good show. I really enjoy it. I I disagree with a lot of the takes, but it's good Packers talk for sure. Here we go.
0: Said earlier this week, I don't believe Jair will ever play it again for the Green Bay Packers. You want to talk Jair? Yeah. You want to take a break and then talk Jair? We can. Okay. We got we Fat are, Jack coming up next. Oh, that's right. So we can't talk. Oh, we got we got to do it before Fat Jack. Third quarter. You want to go now? Now, a tease. Give me a little something, because I think I think he's done. I think they're going to trade him. I don't think he wants to be around. I don't think he believes in the staff. The wants to be around. Yeah, feels that's what it feels like to me. Right, and they don't need him to stay around. Move on. Yes,
3: I'm good with that. I want the guys that want to be here that want to play here, because mm-hmm. what you're getting is you're getting the Rogers effect, you're getting the back T R effect, and now Jair is falling suit. Yeah, so they need to figure out how to move him if he doesn't want to be here. Give me Valentine and Valentine If any one of them guys want to grab, let them grab. You, you're winning ball games. Let's figure out what Eric Stokes is. You spent the first-round draft pick on this young man. Let's figure out what he is. He's gone, too. I don't think he's gone. Oh, okay. You, you don't need him. If, if you're going to move on from Jair, you got to give this guy another year to see if he can work.
0: Right. But there, there's that group where the older group, and they're just all gone. It's group. Well, I mean, you meant Rogers, yeah. Bakhtiari, and you you want to get that's all they, bad, get get rid of all the bad stuff. And I don't know, I'm I'm because these guys don't know. What I'm they not sure know. that it's bad. It's just this is a different group, right? And well, they're not no,
3: part of that. No, group. it is bad. Is it when you're when you're acting out in a certain way
0: it's bad. And that's what he was doing today. He's acting crazy. He, it's bad. Yeah, right. I, I didn't see it today. I heard about. You can it. look at it. Do we you have can, sound? No, well, there's sound and video. Yeah. Can I? When we come back from Fat Jack? Or oh, I don't know. What do we have? I was going to say you could watch it. When I talk to Fat Jack, you can listen to okay. it and watch it. We'll see. Yeah, it won't take long. All right, fine. You'll say, what would you just say about him? I'm going to step out. You said he's gone or, or he's bad or I don't remember yeah, what the I'm, phrase is. Well, I'm you're. done. I'm yeah. done with this dude. Yes, you'll be done with him after this, too, okay. I believe. That's All my right. tease. All right.
2: All right. So, again, there you go with uh, – with Gary Ellerson's comments. Now, again, it sparked a lot of controversy. Now, you heard him say the Bakhtiari effect, right? You heard it. I'm pretty sure it was in that video. I was reading the comments, trying to get some marked here to, to get your all's take out there. Um, when he said the Bakhtiari effect, right, immediately, David Bakhtiari tweets out this, right? He says, at Gary Ellerson, I'm curious. What do you mean by, quote, the Bakhtiari effect? <laughs> so, if you look at the comments, underneath David and ba- first of all to the best of my knowledge Gary Ellerson never responded. Okay. That's the problem I have. Like when you put a comment like the Bakhtiari effect out there, would you say that to Bach's face? That's the problem I have with it. Whether whether there's merit to it or not, would Gary Ellerson walk up to David Bakhtiari and go, this whole Jair thing, you know what it is, David? It's the Bakhtiari effect. Come on, guys. We know he's not doing that. That kind of bothers me. It does. I'm just being real, not telling anybody how to fan, not telling anybody how to be a media member. But David obviously had problem with it and said, hey, just curious, man. What do you mean by that? I guarantee you they've seen each other at the stadium. I mean, he's an alum, right? Gary Ellerson does stuff in and around the team occasionally. So that kind of uh, I don't know, man, just rose me the wrong way. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But uh, oh, so he did respond. Nick said he did respond. OK, cool. Hey, If you guys would. Um, okay. So there it is. Brent, you are the man. I'm assuming Brent, this is uh confirmed Brent that what you put in the chat is his response. Confirm that for me, Bob, Um, and I'll put it up here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like it probably is. Okay. So. All right, here we go. I'm going to double check here in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Brent said it is. All right. Brent says in the chat quote, this is what Gary Ellerson responded with. It's a figure of speech. It's about players having their own voice, not being controlled, having freedom to move to the other teams. If they, if they so choose. That's what older players fought for, for player advocacy. See, now, see how he backed up there? See how he backed up? Like, that's – the let me tell you what I think he meant by the Bakhtiari effect. Now, listen, you should take his word over mine because I'm not in his head. I don't try to be a mind reader. I'm just – I followed him and Leroy Butler, who I absolutely love. Leroy Butler was a big Aaron Rodgers defender until right down at the end. Listen, Leroy Butler is a Packer fan through and through. Whatever the final decision is, he's going to side with the Packers, and I appreciate that about Leroy. I'm trying not to laugh because it's just I've heard so many things that's happened over the past. They they, they make fun of him on his show, too, because they say he's going to put – they call it the spin cycle. He's going to put his spin on the Packers' spin on it, right? But when you look at what was originally said, Gary Ellerson hated Aaron Rodgers. He wanted him gone. He's selfish. He's a prick, all these things, right? He said all that stuff in the past. He wanted him gone. As soon as he was gone, he started talking about David Bakhtiari being gone. We, we need to get rid of all of you. Heard him there, like his his whole narrative was: you need to get these older people out, these older players out, right? And now it's well, it's just a figure of speech. It's about players having their own voice. Listen, I'm, I'm for you, David. You should have your own voice. It's about not being controlled. You shouldn't be controlled. Having freedom to move to other teams, you should be able to go play where you want to play, David. That's what older players fought for. That's what we fought for. So you could do that, guys. I'm sorry. That's not what he said on that, (laughs) on the Homer hour. So that's wild that he said that. Um, Let me go back to the chat real quick and get what other people have said here. um, And then we'll lead back up to what Brent said. I'm going to keep yours kind of marked here too, Brent, because I think that's important. Thank you for putting that quote up, everybody. Doug said, Steve, Homer true is – In my opinion, the best sports talk persona in recent Milwaukee history knows a lot about a lot of sports. He's been on ESPN National Radio uh, many times. I like Homer again. He he's he's a different type of personality, and I think that's important to cover all the bases. I know many people who don't like Homer. They don't like his show. They can't stand to listen to it because they just want analytics, facts. Okay, here's what they don't want an opinion. They want stats and analytics. Maybe maybe tape breakdown to draw their own conclusion rather than hearing another fan. I think it's good for the soul to have a passionate fan talking about your team, whether you agree with them or not mix that into the sports talk. I think it's a good thing too. So, um, Maybe I'm not as on board with, with Homer as you are, Doug, but I, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying there. Uh, Bleeding Green and Go says, this Jair stuff is a big nothing burger, uh, although even LaFleur said that his injury is, quote, frustrating. That kind of sparked it, didn't it, Bleeding Green and Go? Bleeding Green and Go. Um, it kind of sparked it when he said it, Everybody was like, what does that mean? It's frustrating. What does that mean? Because it's one thing to say, I know he's frustrated. He wants to be out there. But for the coaches to say, yeah, it's frustrating. It's like. Hold up. What's, you know, and again, people may be reading too much into it. So Bleeding Green and Gold says it's a big nothing burger. I respect that opinion, man, for sure. Um, that's, why, that's why we're reading the comments, So We want to get everybody's take on this. Uh, let's see. Mace Taggart in the chat says, at Packers Total Access, good morning, Packer Nation. Remember, love equals dynasty in Lambeau, period. Go, Pack, go. I appreciate you swinging through, Mace. Thanks a lot, man. Omer in the chat said, yes, much like the box stuff, not helping anyone. Um, you know, in a perfect world as fans, Omer, we would like for the players to shut up and dribble, as the controversial statement has become. Uh, but they're real people and they have the right to voice their opinion. It just, it just cracks me up. It, it felt like. It felt like Gary Ellison had a problem with it until Bach hit him back, and then it was just, hey, you should have a voice. Bleeding Green and Go said Jair isn't going anywhere, so it's obvious that he wants Jair to stay. That's cool, man. Um, Nick McSwain says it's annoying when people make up narratives in their head then get mad at them, LOL. That's the thing, too. Like I've tried to take a step back and say, okay, what did Jair say? Because the closest to the truth should be coming out of the player's mouth rather than running through three or four people. The thing that I keep coming back to, Nick, is when he – when he said that in the locker room off the record, uh, I'm tired of getting scolded for things I say to you guys. Like, that was the one that kind of stepped back. Okay, this is deeper than we're seeing on the surface. Derek K says, Jair is gone. He doesn't want to play. See, you're seeing the contrast between the comments, and that's why I'm reading them all, too. I think it's important to cover everybody's. Because when you look at the comments under David Bottiari's tweet, it got ugly. Some people were like, uh, drag him, David, drag him. Like, you know, go after him, put him in his place. And then other people Came back like he's talking about you stealing money from the team and not playing. I'm going, What? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, he's intentionally faking an injury to just get money out of the team. I didn't like that look. So, just much like the comments in here, they're a lot cleaner in here, obviously. But, much like the comments in here, you got everybody with differing opinions. Man, it was, it was a just a random box of goods on those, uh, those replies to David Bakhtiari's tweet, no doubt. Derek K says, Jair is gone. He doesn't want to play. We read that one. Right. Omer says, although Jair's character is cocky, um, Jair's character and cocky attitude puts a lot of people off. Many of the older fans, young ones, like his swag. They really do. I've noticed that, too. They're like, man, I, lo- I love this man. I love love this video. They're laughing at it and everything. Um, some of us older fans, you know, be being 41 years old, I look at it and go, eh, I'd rather you not do it. I don't really have a problem with it. The guys who are older than me in their 50s are going, this is stupid. Get him out of here. He's too cocky. And the younger ones are going, we need more of this. <laughs> so it's funny how that falls into place. Uh, Brenton in Indiana says, uh, does anyone really get the feeling 69 wanted to be here in the offseason when 12 left? Just recently, he has came out on social media supporting the Packers. But he, when he could see young guys could play, in my opinion, I Again, I don't like to pretend like I can read people's minds, Brent, not that you're doing that. Um, but I felt like a lot of that was kind of misunderstood with David Bakhtiari. Think of the frustration he's having with the knees, right? And, you know, keep in mind, too, who did the surgeries. I kind of wonder if the back of David's mind, he's going, if I would have went outside of the organization and had this done, maybe this I wouldn't be dealing with all these problems. There's probably a little bit of that back there. You know what I'm saying? Um and it's just I don't know when you look at it from every perspective. I felt like Bach wanted to be here. I think he's frustrated that he's not able to play and not able to be out there. But with what you said, once they started winning, he did start speaking out a little bit more. I think there's a lot of truth to that, no doubt. Um, let's see here. We've got Derek K in the chat said I said it earlier. He's a healthy scratch talking about uh, talking about Jair Alexander. I'm assuming maybe Bach. I think Ja. It sure feels like it, man. It, you know, based off of what Wildy said, Taush said. Steve, the homer, true. All these guys talk behind the scenes, stuff that they can't say. Technically, what they heard, who said it in the locker room. They're talking behind the behind the scenes. If they're kind of, you know, staying in this vein of communication of information of, hey, look, here's here's we're all leaning towards. We just need to get rid of him. It kind of feels like he might be a, a bit of a healthy scratch. I can't say for certain that's the case, but what I can say certainly is those guys seem to think that's the case, right? And it probably probably heard it from one of the other media members within the locker room, um, NFL pac Boy, who said Jair didn't want to play. That's what everybody. Nobody has come out and just said it, Pack Boy. That's what all these comments: Gary Ellerson, Steve the Homer, True, uh, Wildy, and Tausch. All of them. That's what they're they're kind of poking it with a stick without saying. It. They're saying it without saying it because they have hurt And I think Wildy even said just just from stuff I've heard in and around the locker room, it's kind of feeling like there's something else there. Mark Towser says, I agree. They're both plugged into 1265, right? Now, when you hear Spoon, Silverstein come out and talk about it, Tom Silverstein, when he comes out and talks about it, that's when you really need to listen because I, what I've learned, my opinion, Spoon is the mouthpiece, the media mouthpiece for Brian Gutekunst. Through the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, when Spoon talked, it was as if Goody was talking. I really believe that. So do with that what you want. And he doesn't tweet a whole lot. But if you read his articles, sometimes it's, it's not what people say, it's how they say it. You can kind of read a little bit more in a spoon. I feel like spoon is, is, is plugged in to Brian Gudikin's as anyone in the media. That's just my personal opinion. And I I try to, I try to uncover stuff like that just to kind of be a step ahead of, all right, who actually has the information? You know, like Wes Hockowitz and Mike Spofford, who I absolutely love, they're just going to give you on the surface, here's stuff surrounding the team, here's some highlights, here's some key statistics, everything's going to be positive because they work for the team, right? Spoon works for, I think it's uh the, uh the Journal Sentinel, right, in Milwaukee, if I remember correctly. He is, he's got this, this relationship with the Packers because he's been around for so long. You see the picture, his profile picture on Twitter is of him and Leroy Butler because they've been he's been covering the team for so long, and it was when Leroy was a player. You start to gain a little bit of respect. One thing that that teams do is they get narratives out to the media, right, with a quote unquote source, and sometimes it's coming directly from the general manager. Ian Rappaport is a good example on the national stage. He Ian Rappaport works for the National Football League. A lot of people don't understand that. You'll see fans go, can't believe you're out here stirring this up. When he gets information, it comes from one of two places. When Ian gets information, it's not just a rumor. It's coming from the general manager's camp or the player's camp, meaning the player's rep. They're trying to get information out through them. And and I would say 99% of the stuff that Ian tweets out it's being approved by someone who's overlooking what he's doing to make sure it's in line with what the team with with what the league wants out there. If that makes sense. So, um, all right, let's see here. Jim in the chat, just keeping it real simple. Hard to tackle with a sore shoulder. Hey, I can relate to that, my man. I tore a rotator cuff this last summer. Ain't no way I could tackle anybody. I could barely lift the spoon up in my cereal bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like I, it's uh, I don't. That's why I'm saying I don't want my opinion to be one way or the other of I think he's faking an injury. I'm just simply bringing you guys the information of here's what these media people are saying. Here's what Jair is saying. Everyone else can draw their own conclusion. When I originally started this pod, I I wanted my opinion completely out, completely out of the equation. I just wanted to bring you guys the information, talk X's and O's. Here's what I'm seeing on the field and try not to get emotionally attached. I've been thrust into the Joe Barry campaign. There's no two ways about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I've I've wanted to do it the whole time. Let's see what Blaine and Greed and Go said. Jair also said he thought the pact would, quote, win out. Why wouldn't he want to be a part of that? As a team, they must tune out any controversy. Absolutely. And the way you do that, I'll tell you how you don't do it. You don't do it by drawing attention to yourself, making, you know, making these predictions, like the team's going to run the table. I'm Look, I'm happy he's positive about it. Don't get me wrong. But, like, if you truly don't want to – if you want to tune out the controversy, then don't walk up with three championship belts around you, screaming the team's going to win every game from here on out, putting a target on your back. You know what I'm saying? If you want to do that, it's cool. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, like, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's looking to tune out the controversy. It's like – that's kind of what Wildey – hinted at, too, when he talked about him shouting that in the locker room that day after they were off the record. I'm tired of being scolded for things I'm saying to you guys. That was a shot at the PR team because the PR team team went to him and said, hey, man, can we kind of tone it down a little bit? They used to do it with Rodgers a lot, too. The PR guy would go to Rodgers and be like, hey, let's don't go on McAfee and absolutely light the organization on fire this week, okay? Um, so, if he didn't want to, quote-unquote, you know, if he wanted to tune out the controversy, you wouldn't shout that in the locker room it's everybody knew he was being very, uh, very guarded with his words and intentionally not trying to hide it. You know, like you could tell he was upset and that wasn't even enough that he had to shout that as he was walking away, just so the media members would then go talk about it. So I don't, I don't think he's tuning out controversy by no stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, it's kind of how I see that. So, um, again, man, uh, Looks like yeah, bleeding green and ghost says agreed, on Clayton, on that response. Um, all right, cool. Let's let's try to move on. I wanted to cover it because it is the talk of Twitter right now, and uh, I like Bach. I like Jair. I think they're both great players. I mean, great players. I really do mean that. I don't mean good players, very good players. I think they're great players. The thing that, the thing that kind of sets me back with Jair is the system that we're running with this Fangio style. You don't need. a a superstar cover corner that you would normally have follow a receiver in just predominantly man coverage, right? So I don't like the money being spent in that regard for a system where he's just going to sit on one quarter of the field. And and you can kind of see he's made mistakes the last two years. Jair hasn't been a great player the last two years. This last time we've seen him on the field, he was phenomenal, and I hope that's what we continue to get but you see him being too aggressive, biting on double moves, not playing within the scheme, not playing his zone match. Um, and that really does hurt the team. That's why the team, the defense is kind of stabilized without him a bit. But man, when he was on the field against the Rams, I think it was the Rams game. I just remember going, that looks like the old Jair. That dude was coming across the field, making plays on the ball. Of course he hurt his shoulder again, but um, it sucks, man. You, you, you want everyone to get along and, and all the, all the personalities to kind of meld together. But, I mean, the reality is it just doesn't happen, man. It doesn't happen sometimes. So, uh, you know, and, and some people were going, who's Gary Ellerson? Who's Gary? I'm not showing this to not Gary Ellerson. There was many people asking on Twitter. i seen in the comments and everything. So I'm just going to do it. Gary Ellerson, right, like I said, he, uh, he played 39 games. Okay, he averaged 4.1 yards to carry. Not bad, right? Had eight touch, uh, touchdowns there. Um, I don't even know why they get the fantasy points listed because he played back before fantasy football, or at least before fantasy football was real, real good. When you look at his stats in Green Bay, um, obviously he was drafted in the seventh round in 1985. Uh, played in Green Bay in, nine, in 86, and then went to Detroit for one year in 87. Could have been injury related. The reason that he stopped playing, I have no idea. But people were asking, "Who is he?" He he played in the National Football League, and I say that because. Although I may not agree with the way he handled that whole conversation, and especially the response that that everybody in the chat kind of uh, showed me there towards the end of the uh, end of the conversation, um, he knows more about football than me, and I'm always going to be the first to say that. So I don't ever want to come across like, hey, you know, here we are. Um, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I, and I hear some podcasters go, just because you play football don't mean you're right. It doesn't mean you're right all the time, but it means maybe you that didn't play football need to shut up and just listen a little bit. Whether you agree with it or not, at least be willing to listen and lower your ego as a podcaster to go. Maybe, just maybe, I can learn something in this situation from someone who actually played at that level. If someone got invited to training camp and never played a snap in the NFL, in my opinion, they know more than me. And I'm always going to be the first to say that. So um, let's do this. Let's talk about the games today, uh, some of the games we're going to watch. But first, I wanted to kind of set the stage. Okay, I thought this was really cool. I started digging a little bit. I don't like going solo on the show because I I see the chat lighting up and I can't sit here with dead air and try to read all the chat and get them on the screen, and that really bothers me because you guys are the best part of this this show. Um, But I just want to say that I apologize for not being able to get to all the chats. The Super Chats are easy because they highlight real quick. Bang, they're usually straight to the point. I can kind of get those in rapid fashion. But when you don't want inappropriate things put on the screen, you're kind of hesitant to just throw every chat up there and read them as we go. Although we got great listeners, we do a good job of not having to deal with that. Um, so going into this little playoff run, it kind of got me thinking when was the last couple of dynasties launched? Right. And, and the one that we always keep comparing kind of Jordan love to is when Brett came in and took over for the Packers in the nineties and, and they kind of went on this run. Right. And you, really what you've seen is two eras here in the last, however long since Lombardi left. Right. You've had two eras. You had the 90s and then the early 2000s, right? The Brett Favre era, the Aaron Rodgers era. And I wanted to kind of just go back and give a quick glimpse of how did that stuff unfold, right? How did it fall into place? So I went to pro football reference and kind of looked at the the records. Obviously, Brett comes in in 1992. Ron Wolf traded a first round pick for second round player, took a gamble on him. Don Mikowski goes down in early in 92. I think it was like week two or three, whenever it was. He uh, breaks his ankle or whatever it was, the uh, the exact uh, injury to Don Mikowski's ankle. Brett takes over. So in 92, Brett's first year starting under Mike Holmgren, they went 9-7, and seven, okay? 9-7, and seven, to the best of my knowledge, they did not make the playoffs that year, but they finished 9-7, and seven, okay? In 93, and, and I'm doing this to kind of cast a little vision that if we do indeed go on to make the playoffs, if we could finish this season out strong and make the playoffs – what did it look like when we look back on the 90s Packers? I know they come out of a couple of decades that were absolutely horrendous, but what made it so successful? What made it so fun that it was like, man, the Green Bay Packers are back on the map and can we duplicate something similar, right? So 92, they went nine and seven, missed the playoffs. Nine and three, they went nine and seven. They made the playoffs and they lost in the divisional round, okay? In 94, nine and seven again, they lost in the divisional round. 95, they got past the divisional round. They went 11 and 5, got past the divisional round, and lost in the conference round. And then, of course, in 96, they went 13 and 3, won the Super Bowl. 97, 13 and 3, lost the Super Bowl. 11 and 5, and 98, and lost in the wild card. And then, of course, in 99, Ray Rhodes took over. Mike Holmgren, they, they wouldn't let him become general manager, along with head coaches. Ron Wolf was stepping down. So Ray Rhodes took over. They went 8 and 8. And then in 2000, Mike Sherman came in. Those those are the kind of the Mike Wall days when Mike Wall became a starter and all that under Mike Sherman. Um, obviously, he was drafted um, by Mike Holmgren, but that's when they really started to do that run heavy, power eye, all that good stuff uh, under Mike Sherman. In 2000, they went nine and seven, then twelve and four, 12 and four, ten and six, ten and six, then four and twelve. And of course, that's when the Mike McCarthy era started. So just to kind of give you a glimpse back. Of of what it's crazy too. It feels like Mike Holmgren was here for decades, right? He was only here for what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight years. Like some seven to eight years, depending on when you actually consider it a calendar year when he came in and, and took over as head coach. But when we when we're trying to put proper expectations on this young team, the youngest team in the NFL, which is just mind boggling to me. If we go to the playoffs this year and we win nine games, right? In 93, they only won nine games. In 94, they only won nine games, right? And then it was 95, they got over the hump. So when you're rebuilding this team with the youngest roster, you're looking to take a step forward every year, which they pretty much did. You know, you lose in the divisional round. You miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, losing in the divisional round. Next year, losing the divisional round. Then you get over that hump and you lose in the conference championship, right? And then you go out and win the Super Bowl. We're looking at like a three- to five-year window here. And that's why I wanted to lay that out to kind of put things into perspective, man, we're blessed as a fan base that this team is is peaking right now and has a potential chance to make the playoffs. We may be looking at another one of these runs, right? And I just think it's cool that you, that you can kind of look back through history and see exactly uh, exactly how things unfolded right now. Immediately, I'm sure people are going, yeah, but look what Ron Wolf did. He made a huge free agent signing, and Reggie White could not agree more. Absolutely phenomenal signing there. Look at some of the nucleus that was on that team, too, though. Your Leroy, but- Leroy Butler playing safety. You know how I always talk about the out-of-bounds is, is the best defender on the field, like Jason Rebervich said, right? And it's why I put more importance on the middle of the defense as opposed to some of the other positions people kind of focus on. Obviously, edge defender on defense is crucial. Uh, being able to rush off the edge, ISO in a, in a four-wide-nine combo, Um, on the interior with the interior push, look at who they had. They had Reggie that could line up in anywhere. I mean, he could play nose and he could play wide nine, and he did it all throughout his time in the league. But when they had, you know, the grave digger there in the middle, that really freed up Reggie to kind of play a little more outside and get those ISO, uh, you know, situations on the tackles and and do that hump move that we've seen so many times. But essentially what you had was a solid interior defensive lineman and a great edge defender, right? Um, whether it was Reggie playing both roles or not, that's what's so important about landing one of those players like a Jalen Carter in, in the draft and being willing to trade up and be aggressive to get that guy because it changes everything about your defense in the middle. I couldn't tell you who played middle linebacker right off the bat, but I remember Leroy Butler playing safety and also coming into the box and playing a little bit of that, that robber and blitzing, right? That kind of acts as the same purpose as a good middle linebacker. So you had a solid safety, and a solid edge defender, and you had those big boys in the middle that could handle the run when they did switch to that 34 defense. So it's important to kind of line up and draw that. You know, Kenny Clark is a great pass rusher. If he could get his run defense up and be that guy in the middle while Rashawn Geary is that guy on the outside, you see the pieces in place. We thought Devondre Campbell was a guy, though he's starting to struggle this year a bit. Maybe it's the injuries, maybe it's not. We, you go out and spend a first-round pick trying to get that hammered out with Quay Walker. He's been hit or miss. You're still kind of missing that in the middle, in 2023, playing at a high level, and then at the safety position, I think we all agree we still don't have that guy at safety, right? Although Darnell Savage this last game played absolutely lights out. So just kind of drawing some conclusions and or drawing some comparisons, I should say, and kind of showing people, all right, here here is where the the Packers were in the 90s. And leading up to this new kind of era, if you will. All right. So, when we look at the standings, let's get into kind of what we're going to be covering today, as far as or what we're going to be looking at today with the rest of the NFL as the games are going to be getting kicked off here in a, in a few hours. Um, with the standings, yeah, obviously, we read it off all week. I'll hit it again. Eagles, number one. Niners, number two. Uh, Lions, number three. Uh, Falcons in the four seed. Cowboys in the five. And then you got the Vikings at six and six in the six seed, uh, and the Packers in the seven seed at six and six, and the Rams right behind them at the uh, 6 and 6 uh record as well. Then you got the Seahawks behind the Rams at 6 and 6 and then it drops off one win. So essentially what you're looking at is Seahawks, Rams, Packers, Vikings are the ones you really want to key in on, right? You want the Falcons to win the south because obviously that helps the Packers if if for some reason we hit a slump and the Saints going on a winning streak, not saying it'll happen, but it's important to kind of mention that caveat as well. So with that being said, the games today that we're looking for Panthers at the Saints. We want the Panthers to upset the Saints. That's a one o'clock kickoff down in New Orleans. Uh, we got the Rams traveling to Baltimore. We're Ravens fans in that one. For the one o'clock game, you got the Buccaneers traveling to the Falcons. I'm I'm rooting for the Falcons in that game because again, we want the Falcons to win the South, and we don't want the Bucs sneaking up on us. If we were to hiccup and lose, you know, one, two, three of these games at the end of the season, I don't think that's the case, but it's definitely a possibility any given Sunday. Right? Seahawks at the Niners in the four o'clock four o'clock spot. We're looking for the Seahawks to somehow, some way, come out. I'm sorry, the 49ers to beat the Seahawks down. We don't want the Seahawks to somehow, some way, come away with a win there. That would absolutely suck, but I wouldn't be surprised if we look at the end of the day and go, "Wow, I thought the Niners were the best team in the league. The Seahawks beat them. That happens every Sunday, man. So uh, let's make sure that the Niners get that win. I know it. I know it makes you want to puke on your keyboard, on your smart device, your smartphone, uh, thinking about rooting for the Niners. But if the Niners beat the Seahawks, that beats them down one more one more loss. That really will help the Packers. And of course, you got the Vikings and the Raiders in the four o'clock slot rooting for the Raiders to somehow, some way beat the Vikings. It sounds like Justin Jefferson may be back if I, if I heard correctly. So we want the Raiders to continue to beat them down. And then of course, Monday night football, we got the Packers giants and we'll continue to give you all the information there uh, leading up to that game, uh, as well as a pregame show, postgame show, all that good stuff we're going to do tomorrow. Um, One last look here too, at the total wins needed for the Packers to make the playoffs per PFF projections. So the analytics are suggesting if you get the 10 wins, you have a 99% chance of making the playoffs this year as the standings sit right now. And if you get the nine wins, it's an 85% chance. If you get the eight wins, it's a 21% chance. So obviously, if some of these teams lose and you only get the eight wins, that's still going to continue to rise if those teams lose. But I'm of the opinion, man, let's just, let's finish this thing strong, dude. Let's, uh, let's go not only get to the playoffs, but let's get to the playoffs with a little bit of momentum. And if you get beat in the playoffs, if you run into a buzzsaw like a Niners team, right, that was the whole purpose of showing this right here. It happened to the Packers in the 90s, and they still went on to have great success and win a Super Bowl. So these people that are on the whole Joe Barry's defense will fold in the playoffs, it don't matter. They get the playoffs, they'll choke, this and that. Of course, I had to show the image of you do you do re- remember and realize that the, Joe Barry's defense held the 49ers to six points, six points in the NFC Championship game. And a block punt return for a touchdown lost you the game. Aaron Rodgers, you know, obviously playing horrible and the offense just sputtering. So to just sit here and pretend like Joe Barry's defense is going to fold up in the playoffs, I think that's, uh, I think it's silly, a silly way to fan. But again, fan how you want to fan, just don't hop in my mentions, fanning like that. I'm going to call you on it. You know, I'm not going to knock on your door and go, you're stupid for thinking like that. You come to my house, I'm going to answer the damn door every time. You know what I'm saying? It's just the way it is. Um, Let's finish up in the chat here real quick. Derek K says, great job, Clayton, 60-minute show so far. Appreciate it, man. You can tell I'm trying to fill the time. It's it's tough when you're out here solo. But, uh, again, I just hate that we can't go to uh, go to the chat more. Derek K says, PTA, uh, posse rock in the house. Love it, man, love it. Uh, bleeding green and gold, Nick Collins, uh, career was cut short, but he was fantastic, absolutely. He was – if you remove Nick Collins from that 2010 team, 2010 team, they probably don't win that Super Bowl. That dude, that dude was phenomenal. That pick six in the Super Bowl. Oh, my God, man. About hit my head on the ceiling fan, bro. Derek K says, hit that like button. Yeah, if you guys don't mind, hit the like button for us. That'll help other Packer fans find this in the algorithm. So, we appreciate that, Derek. Thank you for reminding me, man. I hate mentioning it on the show, but it's a it's a necessary evil. I really, really appreciate if you guys would hit that like button. CL in the chat says, Clayton, you are the top dog when it comes to Packers analysis. I don't know about that, but I appreciate the kind of words, buddy. We're just trying to get a little bit better every day for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to continue to be egotistical and read off all the kind comments you guys are putting in here. Um, I really appreciate it. Just know that. Thank you guys so much. Um, really, really Uh, thank you for uh, watching the show and just uh, just having the interaction. Um, I will put this one up. Doug says, uh, you did great Clayton, today, Clayton. Love following you on Twitter. The Joker gif on the Bach-Ellerson exchange was awesome. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my mind, Doug. I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to get ugly. Um, but uh, I think it's cool, too, to – to kind of have those side conversations. I just don't want to interject myself too much. I like to follow along in the back row with the popular one going, man, this is, yeah, this is wild out here, but I don't want to put anybody down. Hopefully I didn't do that to Gary Ellerson today. Again, I think, I think he does a good job with what he does and he's had way more success than me in the game of football, obviously it goes without saying. So, um, yeah. And then last comment, Doug says time spent here is time well spent. Appreciate that, buddy. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with us. Just want to say that the, uh, the jersey obviously went to the the third guy that got drawn there. Um, go back to my notes. Jeff Zilke. Um, we're going to – no, Silky is what he said, right? Silky, that's right. Jeff Silke, uh, he won the autographed Orsi 11s jersey, so I'm going to be mailing it out to you. Jeff, do me a favor, buddy, when you get this, shoot me an email, packersotalaccess at gmail.com. I'll get all your personal information. We'll confirm it to you so someone doesn't steal your jersey if they randomly create an email and try to act like you, and we'll get that mailed out to you. Um any YouTube members, guys, make sure you get your membership in. Actually, it, the cutoff was last night. I'm going to extend it today. I'm not going to do it until let's say noon today. Anybody who's YouTube members, so the PTA posse, you just go to our YouTube homepage, click on our homepage. You'll see Join with all the members li- member list names. Click Join if you're a member of the posse by noon today. That'll be the cutoff time. I'm going to enter you into the next drawing, uh, which after the game tomorrow, the post game show will be spinning the wheel. Everybody's name will be on the wheel. That's a member of the the YouTube member list. And uh, we're going to give away an autographed Robert Brooks jersey, one of the guys who played a key role in the 90s in the Packers, obviously getting back to the Super Bowl. And i got to say this. You know, I said, you know, look, he wasn't a great player. He wasn't like one of these players that was just all world or anything, but he played an intricate role in uh, in being another target for Favre in the 90s, right? After the show, Emilio can attest to this. Emilio was sitting there chatting with me after we went off the air. Mandy walks in with stats going, what do you? why would you say that? Look at his numbers. She read off all the stats to me, dude. She chewed my rear end out, bro, because I was kind of dogging Robert. I wasn't dogging Robert. I'm just saying, like, we've gave away Paul Horning jerseys and Dave Robinson jerseys, like, you know what I'm saying, Hall of Famers, legends. I was just trying to be honest with the listeners, Mandy, and say, you know, Robert Brooks isn't on the level of those players, but played an intricate role chew me out dude i don't appreciate that so anyway um of course right when we wrap up we got super chats (laughs) let's see here cl in the chat said thanks for your hard work clayton hey man we really appreciate the donation thank you so much for supporting the channel so that that means the world to us man um it goes a long way Dude, we pumped a lot of money into equipment here to make sure this thing doesn't sputter and we can bring you chalk talk and stuff like that and uh it's nice to be recouping some of that i really appreciate it man Britton, Indiana uh, with the super chat just says, thanks, man. Thank you so much for supporting the chat. And listen, guys, I know, again, thank you guys so much. I know some people in the chat, money's money's tight and you can't, you would love nothing more than to throw a super chat up there. I get it. I completely understand. Don't feel obligated. Just please know the people that do. We really, really appreciate you doing it. So, with that being said, we're out of here. We'll be back tonight for PTA Live. Should have a little bit of a crew with us. Uh, we'll carry over some of the stuff that I talked too much over and didn't get to. Um, we'll carry it into tonight. And uh, hopefully, you enjoyed that little 1990s breakdown. I thought it was cool kind of digging into that and going, okay, let's set some proper expectations here. What's reasonable? What's not? Um, you go from a year where you're expecting to win, you know, six, seven, maybe eight wins to possibly making the playoffs and kicking off another dynastic run like that um i think we are, we would all agree we're uh, playing with the house's money so we're out of here appreciate y'all we'll see you tonight as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world go back up